You're listening to the Scale to Grow podcast, where we help service-based business owners to take the guesswork out of scaling and growing their business so they can pursue their passions. My name is Shauna, and I'm a business mentor to coaches and creatives, and I help them to get out of the day-to-day and focus on scaling and growing their business to the next level. I sit down with business owners to talk about their experiences, the lessons they've learned, and share tips and strategies on how you can build your business without the overwhelm. Well, hello, hello. Welcome to the Scale to Grow podcast. I am very excited to be joined today by Alexis Nicole White. Alexis is a consultant, strategist, and business coach who works with small business owners or help small business owners to create scale and deliver products or services that can help them increase their revenues. So she has over 13 years of experience implementing information technology and telecommunication projects. And this includes all the IT infrastructure, data, cybersecurity, and mobile workforce stuff that comes with the territory. She is project management and scrum certified and is passionate about helping small business owners to identify and solve complex organizational issues that can create barriers to their growth. So that was a mouthful, but today I wanted to make sure that we talk about how you as a business owner can leverage project management in your launches as a business owner. So Alexis, I know I did not do your bio any justice in terms of your experience, because let me tell you, she has a ton of experience. So. Tell me a bit more about you and what you do for well, business. Well, first, I just want to thank you for meeting with me as well um, today. And it is a pleasure to be able to express, you know, how I can help small business owners. I know that one thing that happens often is that when small business owners get started with their business, they have a product that they that they specifically are selling. It could be something as simple as fixing a car, starting up a lawn care service. It could be babysitting, et cetera. And it grows from there, right? But a lot of times when we think about these products, even if you consider knitting a blanket on Etsy, right? You know that I can, I'm the business owner, right? I make blankets. So I'm going to put these blankets on Etsy and I'm going to sell them, right? But you don't think about how that starts to uptick and how you have to have mass production ready and available to go. You don't think about the customer experience and how that impacts your sales. You don't think about, okay, infrastructure. I have to have credit card machines. You know, if you're going into a brick and mortar, you think, you know, you're like, okay, everybody knows you have to have Wi-Fi, right? But no one thinks about information security. How are you going to protect the data and the security of your customers? Customers as they come and go. How are you going to monitor your, how you're processing and running your cash flow with credit card machines? I mean, you name it, it could be a plethora of different things that small business owners don't take into consideration. And those things all equate to small projects. Now, if you're thinking about in the long term and you scale up to the enterprise level, projects are reoccurring and they're ongoing. And they, you know, even though this project stops, It relates to another project that starts. Now you have a program of how you're trying to get things to work. So one thing I try to make or help small business owners understand is that we all have various projects that we need to undertake. And it's a discipline to be able to successfully undertake those projects and to be able to deliver to achieve the result that you're intending to receive. And I hate to put it this way, but failure to think about it in that approach will result in disaster. (laughs) 
So you want to try to mitigate that as much as possible by getting ahead of it before you get to that point. Absolutely. Yeah, no. And I'm glad that you framed it that way, because that's actually some the mindset shift that a lot of business owners forget when they go into business, that there's the product development piece that they're probably more focused on, and then they forget everything that surrounds it. So concept, then it, it, it drops yep. off somewhere because all they can think about is, let me get that product, let right. me get paid. And they forget everything that surrounds it. So I'm glad that you position it that way. And I wanted to know kind of, I know that you've been a project manager for a number of years. How can business owners really leverage the project management discipline that you mentioned in their business? So that's a great question because a lot of times business owners don't understand where to go to look for this type of resource, right? And the benefit mm -hmm. of being in today's society is that we live in a gig economy. So there's all types of platforms where you can seek consultants and project managers, you know, even a virtual assistant can help to a certain degree in helping, helping you navigate through these challenges. However, the first thing I will employ all project or excuse me, uh, small business owners to do is to be able to understand what exactly that you're trying to achieve, you know, Drill down that scope to understand what you will do, what you will not do. What are some of the prerequisites that you need to be in place, aka those wonderful assumptions that we make? What are those constraints that you know that are going to impede the progress of what you're trying to achieve? And if you don't know how to do that, I will say pause right there. Stop right now. Throw up the flag. It's perfectly okay. <laughs> Get on the internet and find out where you can find someone like myself to be able to help guide you on this process. Because if you don't, you will sign up for something. And I've seen it happen time and time again. Well, he said that he was going to do X, Y, and Z. And he, whoever he is, never delivers, is not on time. You're just hemorrhaging money. You know, I like to give the analogy of when you build a house, right? Or for those who own houses, the contractor problems, right? You call a contractor out. He's like, oh yeah, I'll have this done in two months. He starts the project, but then he leaves and then you can't get him to come back. So your basement's tore up, you know, or, you know, you're building a house and, you know, you think, okay, I already know what type of paint and appliances I want to have. Yeah, but you still have to build the house itself first. So you have to make critical decisions about where your plumbing is going to go because that is a constraint, Right especially if you're dealing with slabs, you know, they've already ran the pipes, but you have to design and build these things out. So the key part there is have an idea, mm -hmm. start to draft what you want it to look like, and then find someone who can really help you understand what that means and what it doesn't mean. Understand how to read those contracts and to be able to hold your vendors or your suppliers accountable because people love to tell you, oh, I can do that in three weeks. And that is so unrealistic because we all know that it's not going, you know, depending on what it is, but oftentimes nothing gets done in three weeks, yeah. right? They're going to spend the first week trying to figure out what it is that you actually want. Mm -hmm. So it's a meme out there that cracks me up every time I see it because it's like what the customer has in mind, what the vendor has in mind, what the project has and project manager has in mind and what the end result looks like. And those are four different images, <laughs> all different things. A whole different things, you know, so you want to make sure that everybody is as much as on the same page as possible. Yeah, no, that that's such a great point, because I've seen it, too, when I'm working with with different business owners. And the major thing that 
comes up every single time is, well, how would I know how to even gauge what they're doing when I'm so busy? So that leads me kind of into kind of like the, the mistakes that a lot of people make. So I know you mentioned a lot of it with the expectation. So from an expectation perspective, we know that there's some pitfalls there for business owners. What are some of the mistakes that you've seen people make and why do they make it when it comes to like launching a product or service? I definitely would. Uh, you summarized it great, right? It's missed expectations. And, and that's classic PMI, right? Or PMP for those of us who are certified, right? Documenting what the requirements are in every facet of requirements. So whether that is a business requirement, meaning how does it tie into helping the business for you? How does it tie into your long-term strategic plan? All of that, right? You need to have that documented. The second thing you need to understand is the functional requirements. How are you expecting for this project to function within your day-to-day operations and livelihood, right? The final one is the technical requirements. What do you need to have in place from an infrastructure standpoint? What do you need to have in place for this tool to be developed? I know we live in a world where everybody wants to have an app, right? So what are the requirements of each device, mobile, tablet, iPad, you know, whatever way that people are looking to download that application, what are those requirements? You have to document all of those things to get real, to set clear expectations, not only with what's in your mind, but what's in your vision and what's going to be the outcome of those three different things coming together to create the product that you're trying to release or what is the service that you're trying to release? Because that can be a project too. So again, what strains is that going to put on the business? Do you need to go hire five more people and do you not have the budget, you know, to hire five more Mm -hmm. people? Is this going to complicate things? Is this going to automate and streamline or is this going to become a manual process? And then what is the result of that on your workforce? Does that slow down productivity or does that increase productivity? Then the last thing is going to be, okay, again, Do I need to go buy a whole new computer to have technological functions in order for us to do this service, right? Or am I going to have to outsource this offshore? So those are just ways that you can try to determine what, how, and why you need to set the expectations that you need to set with your vendors and with yourself. Because we know that a lot of times we have unrealistic expectations. We're like, I can do that. I saw that on Instagram. Oh, I can get that done. And you have no idea what that entails to be able to even get to that point of what you saw as a result on Instagram. And lastly, projects can be results too. So what what is your end goal? For most small businesses, your end goal is to whatever's going to make me more money, the fastest, and it's going to simplify my job. That's typically the three different types of requirements that a small business owner has. But again, you can't negate the other things that come with that in order for you to achieve that outcome. Yes. No, that I that that is just like the perfect way of like packaging that whole like that whole expectation gap that always happens with business owners. And I had I remember I had one client who they wanted to do a system change because they were getting a discount. (laughs) And I remember thinking, okay, so how big is this discount? And they're like, well, you know, I went to this conference and I could get X amount. And, you know, if I switch over within the next like 30 to 60 days, the, the discount will be valid. And, you know, I think we should do it. And I remember thinking, uh, I think we should wait. Let's let's talk about it because there's more to it than that, because there's so much more to just getting a discount because a discount is just a discount. So it's just a matter of, is it going to be worth it at the end of the day? Right. 
And, you know, going back to your example of, you know, just kind of the project and understanding the different tentacles that's going to come out of it. It's really about kind of understanding your expectation at the end is that you're going to get in 60 days, you're going to be able to be on this platform. You're going to save money. It's going to be so much better. There's so much um, bells and whistles to it. But leading up to that, there's the people part, like your people are already trained on your existing technology. Like there is uh, you have process already existing. Now you're going to have to learn something else and you're going to probably have to migrate your customers, which means that there's a whole transition piece, which there's like so many con contingencies around that. Right. So you really got to think about, is that discount really worth it? Right. In that case, definitely doing a cost benefit analysis, right, is critical. And, you know, one thing I'm glad that you mentioned that as well, because a lot of times, even in corporate America, when you mentioned performing a gap analysis, people gloss over the criticality of that. And that's something that you cannot bypass. Right. So you always want to make sure that you understand what's in place now, current state, compare it against your future state and identify where those gaps are in the middle. So if you think about three circles, two side by side, what is your current state in one, your future mm -hmm. state in the other, and then that third circle overlapping it. If you look at it in that way, you're like, okay, we're missing a lot of key parts here. And what is the cost benefit analysis for me to be able to migrate from here to here in 30 days, uh, 90 days or 60 days or the next year, you know, because when you think about it from that approach, you're like, okay, this little 20% discount ain't even worth it. <laughs> it's going to cost me 500,000 just to get ready to save 20%. And then the next question is, is that a one-time discount? Is that a month over month discount? Is that a quarterly or an annual discount? Like, what does that look like? Exactly. And, and, and I think this is, this is where a lot of, I, I always say a lot of small business owners can benefit from some of the concepts or the frameworks that exist in the bigger larger organizations, because this would actually have been a really great exercise for a lot of business owners to do before they like hop into it and then say, oh, right. So now what do I do? Because a lot of them, that's what happens. So I wanted to, so I know that you, you've worked, you, you've worked in corporate and now you're working with the small business owners. So how did you kind of make that transition? Because like I said, there, there's like, there's, there's like the, the corporate know-how of, yes, we would need to do a gap analysis. We need to do all this stuff. Then when you get to small business owners, it might not look that way. Right. So currently it's really interesting because I got into project management accidentally. Really? <laughs> accidentally. <laughs> it was something that occurred back in the, during the great recession of 2008. And I just needed a job. And I didn't understand at that time that that was really the predecessor for my whole entire career within technology and getting into project management. But that's how the universe works, right? So in 2014, I experienced a job loss and I knew that I had a critical skill that was applicable to small business owners. And I started my business then and being a new mom and trying to figure out like if I wanted to go back to corporate America and all of that stuff. I started working with small business owners then just to make some little money coming in. Right. And so that's when I made the observation that, okay, yeah, you're self-employed, you're self-sufficient. You have a business because you have customers. 
but the business itself, the foundation completely going off the ends of the rails, you know? So it was like, okay, as I negotiated contracts for business owners, as I put infrastructure in place, just taking, you know, the wherewithal that I have in this brain of mine from all these years of experience, (laughs) it was like, okay, there's really a market here for this, but as fate would have it, I went back to work in corporate America and got some more skills because trying to start a business and be a new mom, those two things just is not going to work hand in hand. People can do it. Kudos to you. Alexis Nicole White couldn't do it. Okay. <laughs> Drove me nuts. <laughs> so I ended up coming back to it again because as I would talk to a lot of my entrepreneurial friends and you ask key questions. They're like, oh, I never thought about that. You mean I could do this? I didn't know that that was possible. And so here I am again, you know, even as a consultant full time, I'm still pleading to small business owners and entrepreneurs to think how to really strategize to make sure that as you get ready to move forward, you have all of these things in place so that you're not having any critical missteps because as an entrepreneurial transferring over to a small business owner, money is important. Mm-hmm. And we all know in the world of project management, time equates to money, quality mm-hmm. equates to money. So you don't have money to waste. And a lot of times I find that small business owners are throwing money and whomever has the most Instagram followers, some something that some pitch they saw on YouTube, something they heard. So and, and it's it's not to knock any of these individuals, right? But I, I heard a lady tell me, and I was just so flabbergasted and perplexed, it wasn't even funny. But she told me that she was doing a website and she found some chick on Instagram that had all these thousands of followers. She's paid $7,000 for a website and still did not even have her website up. The girl told her she'll have it done in two months and she got a template back. Her name was misspelled and all of that. So the first thought that came to my mind was, hmm, you should have probably had a project manager to help with that. And I know that most people are going to say, well, I don't need a project manager for everything. You're right to a certain degree, but you're not the subject matter expert in how to manage small projects like this from going. A project manager is, right? So when she told me that, and I I made the comment, I said, well, has she thought about hiring a consultant to help guide her with this? Because A, she doesn't have the time to babysit this girl on her website. She's $7,000 invested at this point. Your template has your name misspelled. Like, what does your contract say at this point? Can you get your money back? What was the clause that says that once you exceeded this threshold of time, what is the recourse here? You know, like, what are the next steps? Let's talk about actionable things that we can achieve at this point. And she was like, oh, well, I didn't even think about that. Or people say, well, I'll just call my attorney. No, because I mean, like they they can tell you contractually what your options are. Mm -hmm. Right. But someone who knows how to walk the walk and talk the talk, you know that you can say, okay, listen, based on our contract here, based on our conversation, because, you know, project managers love documentation. So it's like based on this date, we said this, you know, you can start having some recourse. But the average business owner, guess what they're doing when they're having these conversations? They're walking and they're talking. Right. They, you don't have them sitting down, really paying attention long enough to really keep up with everything to be able to document this stuff. Or you may have someone who documents it, but then they're busy in their day to day that they now don't realize that, oh, yeah, that was due three weeks ago. 
Like, what's up with that? Until someone says something, it's like, oh yeah, I forgot to follow up with the girl. Oh, I yeah. opened up the email and I forgot to reply. Or she called, but I forgot to call back. So like, those are different things that you can delegate to someone else who is a subject matter expert. And the beauty about project management is that it's not limited to technical things. I've been in the healthcare field. I've done telecommunications, IT, you know, you name it. Like you said in my bio, I've done some of everything, right? But the point is these skills are transferable. They're not limited to a specific sector. You manage one project, you can manage them all. At the end of the day, we need to know what are the deliverables what are the timelines? What is the cost? Because now at this point, my response to the lady who was telling me about her website was how was she going to compensate you for that? Probably didn't put that in. She didn't, and she didn't have any idea how to have that conversation. Right. So I said, let me tell you something. It's a difference if I messed up as the, as the, as the vendor, right? If I messed up, I'm responsible for compensating you for all these costs. If you made a choice that now has derailed the timeline or I have to go back and do rework, now you're responsible for that cost. Mm -hmm. Oh, that makes so much sense. And I'm like, this is why people need to hire a project management consultant <laughs> to help them. No, it's, it's, it's true. And the, I think the wall that I see a lot of people kind of put up is I don't have that money, one, to do it. And how are, how is it different from just asking like my VA or someone else to to just follow up every time I remember to send off this email? I know most people, the concept of project management for a lot of people is that it's for big businesses. It's not for me. It's really, it, why would I hire a project consultant? Because I'm, I'm still like, I'm, I'm making six figures, but I'm still not making like that much money where I think I need to have someone in the business doing this kind of stuff. So based on your experience, like, I know you, you kind of touched on a few things as to how they're different between, but how does project management in small business differ from large organization? What have you noticed? <laughs> so one thing that I've noticed is that enterprise organizations, they're always thinking about project management because it ties into their long-term strategic goals and their objectives, right? So they have their strategic plan, they have their temporary plan, and all of these things roll up into this larger strategic plan. And inevitably, they have a reason why they're undertaking that project. It may be a government regulation, it may be you know, to improve uh, safety, it may be to increase productivity, it can be, you know, whatever, you know, they have whatever initiative. It just depends on what the business is, right? For our small businesses, most times you just want to get to a steady state without falling apart, you know, <laughs> because you're growing, right? Mm -hmm. So the goal is not only to get open, but you want to be able to grow. You want to be able to scale, right? And in today's society where we have e-commerce platforms, most people are taking their business all online. Some things are still brick and mortar, right? But generally speaking, when you're talking about e-commerce, you're talking about a whole different thing, which needs a project manager because that is a technical project. You need platform. You need to have APIs. You know, if you're going to incorporate mobile and web opportunities, you need to have that as well. You need to have data and storage. I mean, it's a plethora of different things that you need to have and you need to understand how that's going to look funneling down, right? So when you're talking about small businesses, Many times they don't have that wherewithal to forecast that far out as opposed to a larger entity that does, right? So larger entities, they're like, okay, 
Congress passed this law that says, or like I heard on the radio the other day, you know, Congress is working on a bill that by 2050, they want to have zero carbon emissions, right? So for your local gas and light people, you know, they're like, okay, this is coming down a pipeline. So we need to start planning now in 2022 for how we're going to get down to that zero emissions. And so that may be their strategic goal. And Based upon that, they're breaking it down into smaller manageable projects and programs of how they're going to achieve that goal. Many times as small businesses, you're like, okay, I want to get out of the brick and mortar so I can save money and I want to go all online. Okay, that's a goal. But what does that look like, right? And so many times you just think it's something as simple as going to GoDaddy.com and buying a domain and putting up an e-commerce. And it's way more complicated than that. So, you know, again, for small businesses, you may not be thinking like that because you're just trying to sustain. You're trying to increase costs, increase revenue, um, excuse me, decrease costs, increase revenue. And you're trying to make sure that you're just sustaining. Mm -hmm. And that's where the difference is. We're not just sustaining. You want to be able to thrive. And so you can still operate like a larger enterprise. Yes, if you plan to think like one. But many a times the money is what's holding you back. And it's like, okay, well, I don't really have the money to undertake this project right now. Understood. But understand what that also means for your business right now as well. That is a perfect way of explaining kind of what happens when an, when a business owner undertakes any project. It's always like, well there's a million things happening. How am I going to be able to to focus on a project management concept or even just having someone come in? Like it's just too many things going at the same time. So a lot of times they defer that because they figure it should be simple. <laughs> like it's, it's literally just a couple of steps. Like I just have to go follow up with this person, implement this or, you know, purchase that or move this over here. But what I always find is they never kind of think about, well, while you're managing the pieces for this new thing, this net new thing that's coming on, you still have the other stuff that's going at the same time. And uh, and not to interject, one, one thing that they definitely forget to test prior to go live, right? They think that as soon as it's implemented, they can just go from there and they forget to test, demo. You know, how does this impact your customer? You know, and what does that experience look like? But again, if you're not a trained person with this discipline and all of these steps in your mind of what needs to happen to make this happen, right? They're like, oh, so I didn't know that when I went live that this was going to impact my customers. And if you already have a, I was about to say fan base, but that's not the right (laughs) word. But if you already have a customer base, right? You definitely don't want to do anything to adversely impact them either, you know? So you have to do like a trial run, you know, don't set up your site to go live at 7 a.m. on Monday morning. And you know that that's a peak time for your operations and you haven't done a test run, right? You need to take down your website off peak hours, midnight, you know, get it up and running, do some smoke tests, you know, do some pilots, you know, see how you can get that going. But they don't think about that. And it's so many different complexities, even if you think about in an agile environment, right? There are different types of complexities and nuances to how you test. There are like four different types of testing going on, you know, just to make sure that we're even ready to go live. But they're like, okay, website's up. I like the way it looks. 
go live and then like your orders are going somewhere in la la land and you don't even know where they're getting stuck you're not processing anything you know so th those are and i know i'm making humor out of you know a small business owner's challenge but these are critical things that occur that could adversely affect your business so yes while you're saying i don't have the money to specifically you know, undertake hiring a consultant or undertaking, you know, sufficient project management within my business. Think about how much it's going to cost you not to know how to do this the right way the first time around. That is so true because it will cost you. It's either going to cost you the time or it's going to cost you the money or mm -hmm. both mm -hmm. because it it's, there's just no two way around it. So the work's going to have to get done. And it's just a matter of kind of picking your poison as to which one's going to come first, right? So with that being said, there's a bunch of people that I know personally, especially creatives, that do not do schedules. There's a lot of intuitive, you know, feeling, how are we going to do this? Or, I'll get, you know, when, when it happens, you know, I kind of know what to do. So what do you what do you recommend for someone who is not really interested in project management because there's just too much rigor in their mind to that? <laughs> well, <laughs> I agree. Um, but as a seasoned person, I'm going to respectfully disagree because it's not that hard. But I guess for someone who's not administrative, that's where it becomes too much of a task. So I'll give you that. Right. Um, but to me. If you don't have a schedule, how do you hold people accountable for making deliverables by need by dates, right? There's a difference between I would like to have this up by June 1st and I will have this up by June 1st or, you know, I need this by June 1st. So those are all three different languages that we're putting up, right, in this conversation that someone could say, okay, well, we should have something by June 1st. That doesn't mean that you're ready to go live by June 1st. So, you know, understanding how to manage a schedule, building buffers in, understanding that you need to have time for slack. You need to have time, you know, to say, okay, well, I know that you told me, and I love this, like when I'm having conversations with people, give me your best estimate, right? They go, oh, well, we'll have it done in two weeks. Okay. So that's positive. But what's the worst case scenario? Like if every possible thing went wrong, what does that look like? Oh, well, that can be 90 days. That's a big gap, you know? Mm -hmm. So how do you build a schedule to say, okay, I want this done by June 1st, but now you're telling me 90 days. Like I could put a buffer in of a couple of days, right? But 90 days, that's yeah. That's a big difference, you know, mm -hmm. so but those are conversations that you need to have. Right. It's not just so much of pulling up your Google calendar and saying, OK, well, today is Monday. We should have this done by next Friday. I mean, sometimes it happens that way, but there are different tasks that feeds into that one task that you're trying to get done. And that's where it just gets way too complicated. And it's like, you know what? Just call somebody. <laughs> just call somebody. Exactly. And especially going back to your earlier point, that in itself, like if you have a big enough project or something you need to implement and you know that the stakes are high in terms of how much it's going to cost you, it really is about kind of looking at, OK, what what's in your environment? What's on your plate? What do you need to accomplish? And if you have a good sense of worst case scenario, this will not go live. And that worst case scenario might impact your customers or it might impact just you being able to line up your vendors or your different integrations that you need to be done 
it might just be worth it having someone who is going to be there to kind of hold hold people accountable and put things keep things on track, right? Absolutely. So in that conversation, I said, okay, if you've already spent $7,500 on this website, you could have spent $1,500 and had a project manager just overseeing the development and management of this, right? Because I mean, if that's a realistic budget for something like that, like I'm not managing particularly a budget, usually things like that are firm fixed price. So we know it's going to cost $7,500, period. That's it. I'm not giving you anything else, right? So you can definitely afford another $1,500 to have somebody else to oversee this because my first radar would have went off like, okay, we're current, we've already talked about what we want it to look like. We've already planned the, the concept, right? Now we're in the design phase. You know what my first question would have been? Well, where's your mock-ups? And how long does it take you to generate a mock-up? Like it doesn't take you more than a month to generate a mock-up, even if you're at capacity with other customers. So let me see your, your technical design. Let me mm -hmm. see your functional design. Walk me through how this is going to work. Show me where if I click this button here, it's going to go to this link. People don't test links. I mean, don't get me started, but you know, <laughs> like, you know, like, I, it drives me nuts. I get emails from the school and they're like, click this link. And then you click the link, the link doesn't work. And it's That's like, did work. anybody test this before you sent this out? So this is where hiring, you know, a project manager to ask and to facilitate these things. I know, again, we're making fun of it, but it's mission critical for the success of your business to have somebody there. And it doesn't mean you have to have them on the payroll 52 weeks out the year. You can hire them and say, hey, I have this project. I think it's going to take about three months. Can you help me with that? Or just have, have a consultant on standby and then have a business coach, right? So if you don't want to hire somebody, you can always hire a business coach, someone like myself, that you could strategize and brainstorm these things off of. And then they can give you some recommendations and best practices on how you can manage this on your own. But if you know, based on that consultation that, oh my God, this is way too much. My mind is blown. I just, you know, then just feel free to include in your costs, the cost for a project management consultant, because you will save yourself so much time, headache and frustration with trying to get things up and running. Yes, exactly. Oh my God. So what are three tips that you can kind of share with the audience? Absolutely. So depending on what the small purchase is, it may not be so small at all, right? So most times when you're buying things, they integrate into something else, right? So you have to understand how does this tie into the larger good of what you're trying to achieve? So I can give you an example of a small, small purchase, right? You had an iPad, you have a square foundation where you're taking your payments and all of that. Your iPad is out of memory because you have other stuff on it. I don't know what. You can go buy another iPad to replace that and it's not going to impact anything else, right? That's a small purchase. Larger purchase is what we're going to do, we're going to start creating podcasts, right? And we're going to start talking about our endeavors of owning our own business. And we're going to buy a microphone and we're going to connect it to our, our laptop. Well, that's not just how that works, right? You have to have a microphone. You have to have a headset. You have to have a camera if you're going to go live. You have to have the storage and the memory. You have to have the editing tools. You have to understand what platforms you're taking. It. So all of these costs add up and it becomes a larger project, right? But you also want to understand how do these things integrate together? 
How do they work? Because you might spend $400 on the software to record podcasts. And guess what? It's not compatible with your MacBook. Now it's not working. So now you have to go buy another one. So, I mean, I'm again, making light of what those things look like, right? But yeah. it's not so simple. And so what I want to charge small business owners with understanding, right? Three tips. Number one, do your homework. Don't be afraid to research things prior to doing it. It may not be so small at all. Number two, ask a lot of questions. No questions are dumb questions. You've been, you'll be amazed to see how many meetings I've sat in where I'm listening and I listen intently and I'm sitting there and they're looking at me like, Alexis, you look like you have something you want to say. And then I ask a question and they're like, oh, well, I never thought about that. You know, and for me, it may seem like a dumb question because the way that I'm listening, right? But I have literally saved organizations thousands of dollars just by asking this simple question because salespeople, and I know no one wants to hear this, salespeople are always in it to make a sale. They will sell water to a whale and not feel conscious about it at all, okay? They would just not feel guilty at all, right? So take a step back, you know, take a step back, analyze it, think strategically about how that's going to impact you. And the last step is write it down and map this out, pros and cons. I know that that's very, you know, antiquated. It's like, I don't have time for that. But if you really think about what the gist of what this means for your business, how is this going to help you win? What setbacks can you possibly have? If the pros outweigh the cons, they absolutely go for it, right? But if you know, and you're looking at that list and you're like, I don't know, it's neck and neck. Maybe you shouldn't be undertaking this project. How does this tie again into your long-term goals for your business? What strategy do you have for implementing this? One thing I always tell people, listen, if your shop is on Etsy and you're selling small blankets, don't go start selling jewelry just because you made a necklace at Thanksgiving and everybody loved it. You know, <laughs> like how does that have sense? Now, if your business is going to be an accessory business, then maybe that fits in, right? Or going back to the to the blanket, you're selling blankets. You're not about to go start selling tires through your Etsy store. Like, how does that make sense? You know, it doesn't, right? So you want to make sure that you're going to definitely have that plan, those goals. Go back to your business plan. Understand what your long-term vision is. Those are all simple things that you can do. So if you're just like, man, let me log off of Instagram because these people got me over here thinking I can go. Uh, make a rocket and go to God of space, you know, because people will sell you dreams. That's what they're there for, right? They want you to buy into whatever it is that they're selling. And if you're gullible and you fall for it each and every time, you will become a penniless pit of throwing money to this and it, it has no rewards for you. You know, so those are simple things that I wouldn't charge you to do. Just think about it. No small purchase turns there are small purchases that will turn into larger purchases. So just think about it from that perspective and then manage what those costs would be. Manage your expectations, manage what you want it to look like. And if you don't know how, don't be afraid to pick up the phone and call somebody or use the internet to find somebody that can really help you if you should not hire me. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. No, it's, I, I like that you brought up the, the fact that a lot of people tend to <laughs> go off that Instagram, the Instagram sell pitches, it's it's always that balance between how many good, new ideas are good ideas that should be act, acted on. And that's always where people run into the, well, you know, 
I could actually make money off this thing. And to your point about if you are, if you have an Etsy shop for blankets and you're not going to sell jewelry, there's a lot more work <laughs> involved in trying to figure out, trying to set that up. So you can sure drop a few jewelry on there, but at the same time, there's more to it than just that. So it's, you know, it's like, who's your avatar? Who's going to be, who are you going to target? Like, it's all these little things that come up that you're not thinking about. And this is what trips up a lot of, a lot of small business owners, especially um, when you work with creatives and every day it's like, you know, there's so many great ideas that come up, but there's sometimes ideas that need to be kind of put on placeholders so that you can kind of firm up the, the existing business and then kind of get a good idea, get a good plan in place so that you can transition into that one. Because to your point, just because everybody liked it at, at the holidays doesn't mean that it's the thing that you should shift all your effort and all your energy to do, especially if you're a small business owner, you probably don't have a lot of resources to like split yourself. No. No. And and I'm glad you said that. Put items in the parking lot. You know, one thing that you can do for small business owners, and it's a form of project management yourself, right? You could write up a little Kanban board. Things you need to do, where you are, if you're in progress, if you've completed those items and you're ready to move forward with those items and or you can create a backlog, right, of your parking lot items. And that's exactly what you were saying. You know, so like if your goal is to start making jewelry because you're not as passionate about these blankets anymore and you want to expand your business, put the jewelry over there in the backlog and revisit it and just say, you know what? Okay, as I go through my parking lot items of things that I want to implement in my business, what does this mean for me? Is jewelry feasible? Conduct a feasibility study. You know, you can do a little poll and just ask people, you know, okay, I know that you bought the the jewelry for me, the necklace for me around Christmas. Would would your goal be to only buy Christmas jewelry? Would you feel comfortable with buying jewelry from me all year around? What did you like? What didn't you like? That's why everybody named Mama sends out these surveys to you now. Please take them because, you know, you can help improve someone else's business. I don't care if it's an enterprise, you know, but that's how you get data-driven items, information, right? To make change within your business. And as far as, you know, even though we're trying to keep it out of technology, but the reality is data-driven change is something that's important in order for you to continue to scale and grow your business. So you have to understand what is, like you said, your avatar, what is your customer doing? What are their preferences? What are their pain points? What problems are you solving for your customers? Those are all questions that you can ask, right? So maybe going back to the Etsy shop, it is about the jury, right? And they say, okay, well, I like coming to you because I can get customized pieces that I can give my loved ones for every birthday, every Mother's Day, you know, Easter, you know, some people love gifts, right? And for Christmas, Okay, so then maybe it is feasible for you to start selling jewelry with your blankets and turn your blanket shop into an accessory shop. Maybe you can start uh, creating customized carrying bags for people. Maybe you can start to explore and you can grow as an entrepreneur and grow your foundation because that's what your customer is saying. I want more of this, or maybe I don't want more of this. Maybe I'm just comfortable with the you know occasional holiday spirit gifts that you offer. That way you're not undertaking something that's not manageable. Yes. Yeah. And it, and it could be, and to your point about surveys, it could be as simple as even Instagram stories. It, it, it could literally be that. It doesn't have to be big, huge um, data sets that you're trying to pull in because 
let's face it, depending on where you are in your business, you might not have access to to doing some of those things. So just keep it where you it's manageable for you, but it gives you enough insight so that you can determine kind of is it worth taking that and taking it on or not. And and I really love how you kind of tie that everything back together. And for someone for someone who's out there who might be looking for someone who's in project management. And I know you have an art background. I didn't even get it, get into that. You have an art background. So, mm-hmm. and you also work in the community. So just, I know we're almost at time, but I wanted to make sure like, tell, tell, tell us a little bit about that. How did that even, how do you tie that back in? Cause I know you said in 2008, you jumped into PM, but I know you're still doing community work outside of this and just, you're, 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 you're still kind of tapping into that creative space. So how do you find time to do all of that? And how does that play into kind of the work that you do? I time box my time. <laughs> of course she does. That, that, I mean, that, that, that's how I really manage my time. Because the thing is, as far as my com- community service and activism, if you will, is because I want young girls to know that as a technologist, I didn't go to school for this, but it's something that you can learn when we're having conversations with people in the boardroom, if that's where you want to go right into a enterprise space, that there is still space for you to show up as your authentic self and to be able to contribute and to be in a field that there's not many women who look like you, right? Even Mm -hmm. when I serve with the Junior Achievement Platform and their programs with the inner city children, you know, and I'm talking to people who may not be girls, right? And I'm talking to young boys. I'm helping them to understand how to read business cases and how to make pitches and pleas to help give them the skills that they need to make decisions, whether that's to go into the entrepreneurial space and whether it's, again, to join an enterprise organization. When we're talking to kids who are, all about the arts, right? Because we live in a generation, we have generation of children in this society where they're more creative and they're like, I don't know, school just ain't for me. Great. It wasn't for me either. I was not the best scholar. I was bored stiff. I'm not going to lie to you, you know, but at the end of the day, I've learned how to make my artwork work for me. Right. And I do something that brings me joy. So that's how, that's how I manage everything all at one time, because You want to make sure that you are able to be your authentic self and still make time for the things that you want to do in the midst of doing everything that you need to do. So, you know, I like to talk to people to empower them, to make them to understand that it doesn't come in a cookie cut box. You know, you can go to school all the time to be a programmer and then your first couple of weeks of being a programmer, maybe you decide okay, this is not what I thought it was and it doesn't feel as good to me as I thought it would feel. So as a full-time, you know, professional and as a full-time successful person, you know, I try to lend my voice to let people know, hey, it's okay if you don't have it all figured out. It's okay if you need some help and you need some guidance. Don't let people put pressure on you to be somebody that you're not. Feel good to be who you are and try to make that work for you to the best of your ability. I'm glad that you're going in and actually saying, look, I kind of pivoted midstream, so it's okay too. It's like, you don't have to have it all figured out, but here are some ways that you can start building the skills in, in absence of figuring it out kind of thing. So I really love that. So we're coming to your close and I wanted to just kind of know, Alexis, what is next for you? Who knows? I'm always working on something. (laughs) 
I come up with these ideas and then I'm just like, okay, how do I make this make sense? You know, like how does this tie into my, my long-term goals? So I know coming up in June, I'm working on a web series where, you know, I'm going to be talking more specifically to our young black and brown girls who are trying to figure it out, right? How do you have a space? Because honestly, from talking and doing mentorships with young girls, you know, my heart goes out to them trying to be a young something in 2022 with all the noise that you're trying to combat and trying to find your authentic voice and trying to love yourself with body positivity and trying to figure out what your career looks like and Mm -hmm. trying to, you know, say it's nothing wrong with me because I choose to go to college, you know, or it's nothing wrong with me because I like science or I'm, I'm into engineering or whatever. So the web series is definitely going to be geared towards them to document, to show how I as a person who's come through the same little trenches that they have, have made it to where I am and some of the overcoming obstacles that I have to face to be able to get to where I want to go. So that's definitely coming up in June. That's good. Okay. So where can people find you, learn more about the web series if they're interested? AlexisNicoleWhite.com. Everything is always on the website. So come on over and check us out. Perfect. And if you need a PM... She's already explained to you why you should not be doing anything without at least a consult from someone who understands what could be involved in tiny projects versus larger projects. So check her out, alexisnicole.com. Tap into her knowledge, tap into her expertise. And if you have questions, I'm pretty sure she will be happy to kind of chat with you to see kind of how the two of you can work together if there's any opportunities there. Okay, so with that, thank you again for being a guest on the show, Alexis. It was such a great conversation, everything. And the fact that you are doing this webinar series, like I tell you, as someone who has a teenage boy going into, well, now he's an adult, this is so needed, so needed. So thank you for coming on the show and sharing all of this. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Scale to Grow podcast. If you would like to know more about how we can help you to take the guesswork out of your business, visit us at www.concaveservices.com. 